Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz, and I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It is official, all right? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Iancal. It's cold. Hey, yo, what's good? Check it out. This your boy, Elder Sensei, one half of the legendary artifacts. You are right now in tune to my man, Tim Iancal, at the library on rapstation.com. Let's get it popping, y'all. Artifacts. Peace, Elder Sensei. I'm out. Grew up in the Bronx in the 1970s, saw DJ Cool Herc playing a, a party, which inspired him to purchase equipment and DJ. He's known as Grandmaster Kaz, a.k.a. GMC, a.k.a. DJ Casanova Fly from the Cool Coach Brothers. Grandmaster Kaz, welcome to the library with Tim Einekel on RapStation.com. Thank you, Tim. You've been with you know hip-hop since its birth. What did you hope for it to become? What purpose did you want to serve? And has it lived up to your expectations? I mean, in the beginning, I wasn't really hoping that hip-hop would become anything. I already valued it a little more than people who weren't a part of it did. You know, it was like a large disdain for hip-hop from the older community and from people who weren't participants. Like, well, that's whack. Like, what y'all doing? What's that old bullshit, that hippity-hop stuff y'all doing? And this and that. So that was pretty much the general consensus, except for us, the kids that were involved in it, that were doing it. Me personally, I always felt that if people got exposed to hip-hop, they would love it. You know, there were people I know who didn't like it because they didn't understand or they were older and pretty much stuck on that grown and sexy kind of vibe. But for the youth, I mean, hip hop was all consuming. It was everything, and especially for me. And I always knew that if people would just see it the way I saw it, they would love it and accept it. And that's what wound up happening. Was there ever a moment for you that you quote unquote like fell out of love with it or fell in love with at least a, an element or two whoa, of it whoa whoa was there was there <laughs> me and hip hop been in and out of love for a while 
All right, and I know it was mutual because it like it fell out of love with me for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, well, fuck you too. And it fell out of love with it. But basically, I think um, the first turning point with me for me was, I guess, the Run DMC era. When that came in, when that was ushered in, it kind of ushered us out. Mm. That marked the next generation in hip hop. And if you weren't like, if you hadn't passed the the uh, like the live performance hip hop place, like if you hadn't made a record and graduated to that next level of 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 uh, performance in hip hop, then you kind of got relegated to. That's where that old school shit came into play. Old school. The first people to do it were the old school. Okay. Right. We didn't transcend the next, you know, a couple of us eat through. Flash and them got through. Funky Four even did a little noise, you know what I mean? But basically, the whole first generation of hip hop, once the Run DMC era was ushered in, was ushered out. Mm. So we went through a period from. 82 to like 85 where, okay, you better do what you're going to do because this is our last hurrah right here. And especially for our group, the Cold Crush Brothers, we never, we never, we never had that hit record. We never crossed over commercially. So the days of the Harlem World MC or the crew of MCs that, you know, that was, that was coming to an end. And so that's, that's when I really started, you know, losing my, you know, my passion and my love because the game was changing so much and I knew it was moving away from us. So I say I, in that first 83, 84, to 85 era, I knew that, all right, we're on our way out of here. Was there, during that time, was there ever an, I mean, was there an attempt by like, the quote-unquote old school and I guess Run DMC uh, artists to connect or was it like an industry thing that kind of separated you guys the from the industry separated us and yeah and that, that reminds me cool modi has a line in a song that we got called otis it's called notice actually and he says your industry cats separating us but they can't eliminate what's innate in us mm, nice. you know what i'm saying that's what happened the industry separated the artists from the, the first school of hip-hop first of all because they stole a lot of our shit okay and secondly it was like Okay, emulate these guys, but don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, dude, get take the best of what they have, all right? But don't dress like them because people ain't dressing like that no more. Don't, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So that Run DMC psyche is really us, but with, 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 with like revamped, right. revamped, you know what I mean? They had our same energy, you know what I mean? Our same drive, our same showmanship, but they dressed normal. They dressed like we dressed in the street. And what we were doing is we were putting on outfits and trying to become rock stars. We were copying the Furious Five, basically, because they're the ones who was on the road with the, with the, um, you know, the funk bands and the Rick James and the Barcades. They came home. They was like, Oh shit. That's how, that's how they dress. That's how stars dress. That's how guys on the road. And, and then, then, all right, let's adopt it. Let's go to the next stage. But well, we kind of went a little too far. <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah, that's the, that's the first time I was like, you know what, this shit, you know, this ain't ours no more. Is that also when you kind of knew that the culture has become um, a, a business venture for people? I mean, is that, or did you, or did you also, when you were, when you were there, when you started, did you know it was going to be a business venture? That's one of my biggest regrets. If I would have known that hip-hop would have grown to these proportions, <laughs> I 
would have, I would have owned hip hop. I would have put a patent on hip hop. I would have, I, I mean, you know what I mean? I would have trademarked hip hop and everything about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? But none of us really could say that, that we knew that hip hop would grow to these proportions. And when you are, when you're in the culture, when you're involved in it, when you're a player, you're not looking at it from an owner's perspective. You're not looking at it from a general manager's perspective or a booking agent's perspective or a, you know, or a publisher's perspective or anything. You're looking at it from the inside, looking out. You're right. an artist. You're in it. You're, you're participating in it. The people who were on the outside looking in were the people who had, okay, we probably could make some money off of this thing. Mm-hmm. See, these are people who weren't talented enough to do the actual acts. They weren't DJing. They weren't MCing. They weren't B-boying. They wasn't doing graffiti. It was standing on the outside watching people doing it and say, damn, you know what this probably could could, could grow into? Right. You know what I mean? So I think those are the people who really got behind hip-hop and, and, and started moving it forward commercially. Had I had that mindset or had Cool Herc or Bam or, or, or Flash had that mindset, we would own hip-hop. Hmm. Do you think the um, the people that did push it as a business, you know, the argument is that if it wasn't pushed as a business, then some people say the the culture would have died. Do you think there was is a way that if you going back, do you think there would have been a way that you could have pushed it as a business to what to keep it true? And keep the culture, or did it have to be pushed this way? If hip hop hadn't grown to its proportions, then what would have replaced it? What would have been around? Hmm. Right. There still hasn't been anything that's rivaled hip hop since hip hop happened. Right. Okay. So even if it wasn't commercial, it still would have been here culturally. We still would have had block parties. We still would have jammed out in the park. We still would, you know, go out in the park and do what we do every summer and still give parties and stuff. It just grew. It just grew. And when other people get involved, they're like, guess what? You can do this. You can bring it here. We can take it here. You can do it here. Maybe we could, you know what I mean? But when you're, when you're a part of it, you, you, you good. We was good doing him. We didn't need records. We didn't need that. Nobody asked for that. Nobody was like, Ooh, Ooh, let's, let's go to the next level over. No, we was good. We was good. And if records never, if the industry never came along, I believe to this day, we would still be doing what we do. The people who really do this shit for real would still do it. It would, it, it would still go on whether it was commercially viable or not. That's what I'm saying. Just culturally, it would still go on. It would still be happening. When you look at the commercial aspect of, of hip hop culture, um, the, the the rap the rap portion is the is the representative representative of the culture you've done i feel like every element or know every element well, um, i've done, done every, every element i've covered i've graffiti breaking djing and MCing. is there I, one i do a little beatbox too but only in private <laughs> is, is there one <laughs> it, it was up to you is there is there one element that that's that's not the MC that you would want to represent the culture, or does every I think every DJ would, would represent the culture the, the, the second best because the, the culture starts with the music. Okay, no DJ, no music, no music, no party, no party, no hip hop. Right. Okay, so the DJ is the cornerstone of this culture, and and the DJ represented hip hop before any other element was was deemed hip hop. 
Okay, it all starts with the DJ. All right, and that party and that music and those particular songs that, you know what I mean, that separate DJs from hip-hop DJs, that separate disco or R&B or any other kind of music you would play from hip-hop music. One thing that um, that's, that's, that impressed me when I was reading up on you is that history has it that you were the first DJ slash rapper. Um, you know what? Is that, that true? That is as true as... As I as I remember, I think there were a couple of people who might have tried it or might have played a dual role, but I don't think they excelled the way I did. I mean, I was like a, one of the best DJ and the best MCs, and I was the first person that DJed simultaneously. Like I had DJs down with me, but if you mess me up when I'm when I'm on a mic, I, I don't I don't want you to DJ for me no more. I don't, I'm not going to take a chance on you DJing and messing up my, so I cut my own records. Especially if it's a rhyme that I really want to get off and I know I don't trust nobody. I, I cut my own shit. And that's how I learned to play for myself. Doing those multiple things, is that a, just a natural skill? I mean, the question, I guess the question is why, why don't more people do it? It ain't easy to do, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> and why don't everybody beatbox, okay? Theoretically, it's like, but... Really, somebody being able to really do it, it's, it's an acquired skill. It takes something that you really have to, you know, be into. And um, there were people who DJed and people who were on the mic, like Lovebug Starsky. Lovebug Starsky was a DJ and an MC, but he was more of a DJ MC. Like, like he, de- he MC'd with the records, you know, in between the records he played, and he did crowd participation, stuff like He wasn't rhyming. Like saying rhymes, like this. I'm Grandmaster Cas with the most pizzazz, and I'm a dance to dance. And he wasn't doing that and cutting records, okay? And he wasn't even cutting while he played. He just talked between the records, and he embellished the music. You know, I do that as well. I got that from him and DJ Hollywood and and those guys. But I can also MC. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Just. Forget the turntables, just just me, me and the mic, man. Me, I can MC. I battle MC, party MC. You know what I mean? Stories. I mean that that's me. I'm, I'm one of the most well-rounded people doing it. So even if somebody did it, they didn't do it close to the level that I did it on. So I'm not gonna say nobody else ever did this, but there's nobody I could think of, and so and nobody else that nobody else could think of. So that's why they say me. As the, you know what I mean, the premier DJ MC. But I don't want to take nothing away from like a, let's say a DJ Hollywood, for example. He was a DJ and an MC, but more of a master of ceremonies than a rapper. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Lovebug was more of a, rap, a, a master of ceremonies than a rapper. See, I'm a master of ceremonies and a rapper. Which gets me to, I want to ask you about the name uh, Grandmaster. As far as there was Grandmaster Flowers, there was you, Grandmaster Flash, Grandmaster D. Is it, what's the significance of the t- uh, the name Grandmaster? Uh, is that something that anyone can name themselves, or is it a term given? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Else I might as well be MC uh, Kevin or something like that. <laughs> Grandmaster, and to me, I can't speak for other people and their motivation. All I can speak of is what I know. I know the first Grandmaster, as far as music or DJing is concerned, was Grandmaster Flowers. And he was a DJ out of Brooklyn, and he played, like, grown-up grown, grown up music, disco music. You know what I mean? 
or R&B or, you know, dance music, disco, you know what I mean, for that kind of crowd. Grandmaster Flash uh, started out as DJ Flash, but I guess he was inspired um, by Grandmaster Flowers at some point. Maybe he just liked his name. I don't, I, I, you know, I never asked Flash, why did you name yourself Grandmaster Flash? But Flowers was the only Grandmaster at the time. And I guess Flash, being a DJ, adopted the Grandmaster from Grandmaster Flowers. Um, Flash was the only DJ called Grandmaster. And we knew, or I knew personally, that Flat Grandmaster wasn't his name. Flash was his name. Uh. Grandmaster is a title. Okay? And it's a level of excellence. It's a level of excellence in chess. It's a level of excellence in martial arts. All right? When you're a grandmaster, like there's masters, but you're a grandmaster. One night I was in a club DJing um, with my partner, Disco Wiz, and it was a club called 462 on Webster Avenue in the Bronx. And um, I was cutting up a record back and forth. Now, Flash was known throughout hip-hop as the fastest DJ. Okay? Faster than Flash's fast, flashes, you know what I mean? So in order for you to have some credit that credibility, you had to be somewhere close. Right. You know <laughs> what I mean? Or be able to do some of those things that Flash did. And that night I just was on fire. And my man, Wiz, was like, yo, go, go faster, go faster. And I was cutting the record, and I kept going faster and faster. And he was like, Grandmaster, Grandmaster, Grandmaster. And then the crowd started going, Grandmaster, Grandmaster. From that night on, I was Grandmaster, Casanova Fly. Okay? It's like... I, I was deemed, I was, you know what I mean? The, the crowd gave me that title that night. I earned that title by what they saw me do. And they start chanting the shit. So, uh, boom, I was Grandmaster after that. What's that feeling like when you're... Oh, man, that shit was like, yo. <laughs> I mean, to have the whole crowd like, go, 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 Grandmaster. Yeah. Grandmaster was like, wow, I, I, like, I was elevated to this, this, to this status. Did you know at that moment, I mean... When it was happening, or was it like you got home and I was like, "Oh shit, this happened." No, no, from that 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 I mean, hit me right, right there, right there. I was like, "Oh shit, I'm a grandmaster." During an interview you did with uh with Vlad TV, you talked about hip hop and media terms, and you talked about how um, the media used different terms to help uh, the masses understand the culture. Uh, MCs were called rappers. Uh, B-boys were, were called breakdancers, etc. Um, when you first heard this media labeling, uh, what was your reaction? But then also, were you ever worried that media terms will kind of, quote-unquote, water down the culture? I think, uh, yeah, I did. I was I was aware and totally aware that, like, hold up. This ain't, we ain't, I ain't no rapper. I'm an MC. Now, I know where you get it from, and I know why you probably say it in that, but it's not for you to change our culture. It's not for you to say who we are, but apparently, <laughs> you see how strong the media is. Right. All right. Somebody, you say somebody say something to enough people, then that sticks. Okay. When they saw Michael Jackson do the moonwalk on Motown 25th, the world was convinced that Michael Jackson made up the moonwalk. Right, right. Okay. And knew you can't tell nobody no different. But Michael Jackson learned the moonwalk from people who knew how to do that. Jeffrey Daniels from Shalimar taught Michael how to do the moonwalk. Okay. So, I mean, the, the, the people think whatever they see the most and the most consistently and on a biggest scale, that's what they identify. To this day, people see me with a big chain. They say, yo, LL or run DMC. Who do you think they got big chains from? <laughs> right. You see me with a Kango, my Kango on it. Yo, LL, you got that LL? Yeah, all right, whatever. 
Pelo was this big when I was wearing Kangos, okay? <laughs> but yeah, like I said, what people see most and biggest is what they remember. So that's where that comes from. I, and I, I definitely had a disdain for people switching up and changing up what the culture was. Thing was, it, the time that it happened, I was kind of out of the you know, out of the mix somewhat, you know, I couldn't, I didn't have as big a voice as you would, as I would have, as I have today, you would say, you know, right now I'm like one of the gods, gurus, or, you know what I mean, of this thing, you know what I mean, the go-to guys when you go to talk about hip-hop, but back then, my era was, had just been erased, or had just been over with, and we've moved on to the next people, so those are the people who had the audience's ears, and, and the general populace's ears, so no matter what I thought at that time or whatever, I was just relegated to, you know, my opinions, you know, over here because the industry was going on over here. You, you've all, you've talked in, in interviews I heard you talk about the quote unquote commercial MCs and how they've, in a sense, found a formula to be um, that works for them for successful. Um, and you say you're happy for them, but then you also, in the same interview, you said, but they weren't doing what myself or Melly Mel were doing on the mic. Uh, for those who don't understand what you guys are doing on the mic, what were you doing on the mic that these that formula MCs, I guess, are are not doing? We were entertainers first and foremost. We wanted to rock the crowd. Our whole agenda is to perform and do well for the crowd, make the crowd enjoy themselves. Okay. It's not for us to come up and show off and, you know what I mean, and this and that and all this sideways shit. I mean, this thing is all about entertaining. And be, and when we was doing it, we didn't have nothing to, we didn't have no, nothing that you could look at and, and, and hold over what you saw personally. Right. You know what I mean? You didn't hear our record. You didn't know we had it. We didn't have a hit record that when you saw us, you knew the words to it already. This and that, such and such. There's, you know, you saw us in magazines before. You seen, you know, commercials and, you know, the videos and shit. We didn't have none of that shit. Right. Every time we went out, we had to prove ourselves. We had to be good every time. Like it was the first time we was doing this shit. You know what I'm saying? Because we didn't have the commerciality. Now, all you got to do is go make a record. You know, there's so much preparation that goes on before you even hit a stage. You know what I mean? And the, the, the artist process is moving backwards the way it used to be back in the days. You know, at first you would hone your craft. You would get interested in something and then you would hone that craft. You would research it. You would go around it and you would look at it and find where other people that did it and this and that. And you would get involved and you, you know, you would start here and then you would practice and you would hone your skills and this and that till you find finally get up to a point where, okay, now I want to go out and show, you know, what I can do. Mm. And then you go out, you know, and you around the circuit and little by little, you know what I mean? You gain a little notoriety, whatever, whatever, boom, to your point. Okay. Now you known. All right. Let's get a record deal or something like that. You know what I mean? Let's get us, you know, in the studio. Let's, you know, it don't work like that. You know, <laughs> now it's like, okay, boom, let's go in the studio. <laughs> All right. That's the first thing. Let's go in the studio. Okay. Just get a track, go in the studio, whine over it. Okay. Put that shit out. <laughs> All right. Let's see how many hits we get on YouTube. Right. Oh, so YouTube oh, hits, oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Because it's not a standard anymore. It's whatever people like. Okay. Yeah. There's no standard. Okay. So you put out any bullshit nowadays. You know what I mean? And hey, people like, a lot of people like bullshit now. 
And I'm just using the word bullshit and that's not to demean anybody's work. I'm just saying you could put out anything. You ain't even got to think about it too hard. As long as the beat is consistent with what's going on right now, you good. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Has the, as I got you, how has the, so I've always had this since, since, since I've started, since I've been listening to hip hop, I've always had the, or rap music, I've always had this thing about the, the, I've been, the beat's been important, right? Like, um, I could, as long as give me a hot beat, I could say whatever I want over it. I'm going to get YouTube hits up the quazoo, right? Okay. Has that always been the case that the beat, like, has there ever been, has always been the case that the beat has to be like the most important thing to catch your ear first or if you're the DJ <laughs> the beat is the is the main thing the beat is everything okay but if you are MC okay if you're an MC you any beat any beat will do if you're a rapper then you need a hot beat right you need a beat that's going to accompany your flow. You need a beat that's consistent with, with the beat that's going on right now that people can listen to an automatic. When they hear that beat, they're going to start nodding. You can shit on the record after that. It don't matter because that beat already got them. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So it's, 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 it's not, it's really more beat driven today than as far as an MC. A MC cares about what he's saying. I feel like I could carry a fucking record acapella, goddammit. Because that's how, that's, that's, that's what I'm leading with. That's what I'm bringing to the table. I'm bringing my lyrics. I'm bringing my, you know what I mean? My, my inner self. I'm bringing me to the table. And I think that's more powerful. That's the most powerful element on a record to me because I'm the MC. Now, if you're a producer, I'm just a part of the record. Hmm. To, to the producer, the record is his and everything else is just an element in it. So the music has to be the strongest. The music has to, to really come across and make this song. Anything else just has to complement it. See, so the, I mean, the, the, the industry attitude and the record making processes attitude towards it is different from my attitude. I'm an MC. I'm just like a singer who can really sing. Hmm. You, you ain't got to turn no fucking music on. Listen to this. Right. Listen to Mar- Mariah Carey sing without a fucking beat. And you you totally immersed in this shit. Listen to Whitney. When when Whitney was, you know what I mean? She didn't need no music. Sir, you know, because their singing is the music. Right. You know, their voice is the music. Me, when I MC, my words is the fucking music. 
So I really don't care. That's probably why I never had a hit record. Because <laughs> fuck that. I don't care about the beat. Put any beat on and then listen to what I'm going to say. That's my, that's my attitude. Right. Like I always felt that if you take a, take a commercial hit, let's say, that has a great beat and you put a actual lyricist you gonna win every you, time. You would win, but you don't take a. But you know, and that's always been an argument where, like, you take a Talib Kweli, for example, and give him a hot beat, the masses will listen to him. Well, but, then sometimes you know what? Does sometimes the the music will cancel the. <laughs> I mean, the, if the beat is that good, or if it's that memorable a song, then then that's that's the record. Right, 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 right. That's, you know what I mean? I mean, as as hot as Biggie was on Juicy. The, the juicy was the record. The track underneath it right, right. was the track. He complimented it excellently, but the body of that was that track, that juicy track. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's that's the music business. You want to sell records? It's it's basically music. It's about music. I want to talk about one of your you know, tracks that everyone loves and uh, MC Delight. It starts off with uh, a conversation that you, apparently, I learned this from offline, of Sammy Davis Jr. Um, <laughs> and then even when he goes at the Hush Tours Instagram page, yeah, there's yeah. a picture of Sammy Davis Jr. with turntables. Really? Um, and it says, remember, it's on his birthday. It's remember when the greats. Um, I guess, for, what is the significance of having Sammy Davis Jr. on this track? Nothing except I was clowning. <laughs> Sammy has nothing to do with this track. There was somebody impersonating Sammy around that time, very popular um, on TV around that time. And I always used to do impersonations. I love, especially Sammy. And it was something that we were clowning around with prior to the time. So, you know, I was just messing around in there, you know, trying to do a little intro, you know what I mean? And uh, it was like me talking or Sammy talking to me, like interviewing me about this record. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I didn't I didn't even think we were going to keep it. It wasn't like an integral part of the song. It was just us clowning around. But, you know, we kept it. It was kind of funny. You know? <laughs> I speak of the Hush, uh, the Hush Hip Hop Tours. Is there a favorite moment for you when you do it, like a favorite story to tell? Well, I love st- telling the story about... Um, you know, how I got my name, how I got my Casanova name. And then it eventually led me to, you know, DJing and, and, and being actively involved in the culture. You know what I mean? I don't want to give it away. You got to come on a tour to hear the story. But it's pretty funny. That's the one I like. I like telling um, the most. But, um, I mean, the tour just gives me an opportunity to, to, to kind of spread what I call the gospel of hip hop to the masses. You know what I mean? Uh, most people pretty much have a, a pretty broad idea or idea of what hip hop is, you know, how it's come about. But there's like small, you know, nuances and, and things that people don't know. And just a little thing you could add to something and it would open up a whole new world of things. And everybody's got a phone with a Google now. So everything you talk about, they can instantly find out about. And uh, we're pretty visual on the tours as well. So we give you, you know, visuals as, st- as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's been great for me for this past 15 years. It's just another way for me to, um, well, kind of reach the masses, you know, one, uh, one bus load at a time, because I haven't been able to travel, um, outside the United States for over 12 years now. And, um, you know, passport problems. And, uh, I know I got a large, you know, 
contingency of, of, of fans and stuff, you know, in other countries and, and stuff. They contact me all the time through social media and they, you know, they, I've done projects. I've got records out in other countries. You know, people send me the track, you know what I mean? A few dollars. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I get on Bless the Track and hey, I got a song out there with some cats in Poland. I got, you know, songs out in Germany and, you know, stuff like that. So that keeps me connected. Uh, that and, 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 and the hip hop tours, the bus tours. I was looking at the uh, the Hush Tours uh, Instagram page, and I was looking at your um, your tour the other day, with, yesterday with uh, Sadat X. Yeah. And I noticed that you guys started. I think it was from the tour, but you you, you stopped at the Graffiti Hall of Fame on 106 in Park. Uh huh. And I appreciate that because that's the high school I went to. Really? Uh, I went to Central Park East Secondary School. Ah, that's crazy. So we used to like so it was so we used to be able to um, we were playing football in the yard there with the. The turf isn't was not there when I was there, but right. you know, guys will be on ladders doing pieces, and there's appreciation of that because what year? What year? Did, what, uh, I graduated in '97, and they've been doing this like I know over 40 years now. Yeah, it's a it's a so long before you were there. Before I was there, that. and it's an amazing piece because 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 for me, there's that respect that the artist gets because no one decides no one paints over their piece or tags over their piece. Right. Well, that's, that's a respect factor that the community has for the artists and for the work that's done. Uh, you, you have your assholes every now and then. I mean, there was a year or two that the Tatch crew had this little scourge right, and, right. you know, and they hater. And every time they did the outer wall, he would come out and just, just desecrate it. And it was, for me, it was, it, it was like, it was damn near hurtful. Like, like you did that to me because I bring a busload of people here three times a week. You know what I mean? And one day I come with the group and I see a fresh, you know what I mean? I see them doing it, as a matter of fact. Bio, nicer, you know, BG, doing doing the wall. And, you know, I'm cool with all of them. We cool and, and, and I bring the group by and we keep it moving. I come back two days later, the wall is messed up. I'm like, what the f-? So, boom. Two days later, I come back with another group. The Tash crew had come back and fixed it. Everywhere these guys had written or desecrated, they filled it in and whatever and made it back pristine. Because I was just telling people about what had happened, and we got there, and it was back brand new. And I was happy as shit. And then the next tour, it was fucked up again. I was like, yo, if I find this dude, yo, <laughs> if I see this dude around here, I'm going after him myself. All right? Then the task crew came back again, fixed it, and then he messed it up again. After a while, it was just let it let it go until, you know. Is there an element? that you've kind of gained more appreciation of since doing these tours? I've gained more appreciation for the graffiti element. Um, I think more so than anything. I know what it takes to be a B-boy and I know that you know, your life expectancy as a b-boy is fairly short. Uh, people like Crazy Legs and Ken Swift and, and 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 some of the dynamic cats, you know what I mean, are like testaments to yeah. to, to this um, culture, man. To you know, because this ain't no you know old man's thing. Okay, like I said, I was a b-boy. There's not a move I could do right now that would convince you of that. Okay, 
at 56, all right? <laughs> I ain't the well most preserved, you know what I mean? But like I said, I see the work that it takes to still be a part of that, you know what I mean? That's more physical. But the graph cats, I mean, these guys have transcended mm. just tagging on walls to, to, to so many different things. And you know what I mean? These guys are, are, are artists now. They are, you know what I mean? Graphic artists, you know, they're doing... Um, I mean, murals and, and things that we, I mean, that to me, graffiti was like letters, <laughs> letters, <laughs> coloring, you know what I mean? Background, add a little stuff. I mean, I mean, the proportion that these guys have yeah. taken this to is, uh, is phenomenal, phenomenal. And the B-boy aspect as well. I can't, I can't even really put one in front of the other because look at where breaking is today. Look where these, look at the way these guys are dancing today. Okay, they've taken the art form that's over 40 years old and keep perfecting it and have kept... Breaking should have died a long time ago. Mm. Why? Why hasn't it? Because it's so fucking cool. That's why. That's why. And and every generation that sees it picks up on it. So it's going to go on. It's going to go on. Rap, as far as a business or an industry, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I know as a culture, it, it's always been around in one form or another, and it'll continue. If it ever comes to, to an end, it'll be because of the commercialism of it. Because just as a culture, it would it would always be here. It will always be around. And it'll take another form culturally again, and it'll start somewhere you know, kind of obscure, obsolete, and then, you know, it'll catch on again. It'll seem like it's a whole new thing, but basically there is nothing new under the sun. And hip-hop didn't invent anything. It reinvented everything. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help. And yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Speaking of which, uh, we're in the room that you uh, famously wrote uh, in The Art of Rap. You wrote... Um, the rhyme that I'm one of my favorite rhymes of the whole entire piece because I'm actually because we were actually watching you write mm-hmm. uh, live one shot. Is this? I want to ask you a couple of things. Is this room the perfect, I guess, writing atmosphere for you, or is it like taking a drive, taking a walk, you know, hanging out, or maybe there's not just one ideal atmosphere? A quiet atmosphere is what I need, no matter where it is. I need quiet, and I need, well, I don't need, you know what I mean? But it's nice if my head is right, you know what I mean? I'm mellow, I'm relaxed, and then um, sometimes music. But really, 
some of the best things I've ever written, I didn't write to music. I just wrote them. Music that, any type of music or music that... No, no, like, like, a, like, a beat, like a beat, like a track like a beat or something that I'm going to say yeah. it to. You know, you already got the tempo, you know how hard the beat is or how, you know, you can... But see, what my best stuff that I write, I don't write to music, I just write. So I might just feel like writing or something might just hit me and I'll just start writing. You know what I mean? I got to confess that in my later years, like like the last five, ten years, writing doesn't come as naturally and easy as it has as it did when I was writing regularly. You know what I mean? Mm. Right now, if I have a project, something coming up, okay, get your head right, get, yeah. get, in, get in writing mode. You know what I mean? But usually, I used to stay in writing mode. I write for 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 no reason. You know, just you know, period. And but that slowed down somewhat. So basically, I I write when I have to, when I need to, or if something really hits me. When something fucks with me. All right. All right. But I'm a much more mellow cat now than I'm older. <laughs> Not as many things bother me or I let bother me or that I care about that much to take the time out to really, you know what I mean? It has to be something because I've, I've had such an awakening as an adult, man. I know so much more. And it's like half the things it ain't even worth thinking about. You know right. what I mean? When you're young, everything is an issue. Right, and then, yeah. I mean, but when you older, you pick your issues. So right now, I pick my issues and the things that I want to talk about or whatever. You know, most things I keep to myself. You know, unless there's an, a particular outlet and I see something for that, then I'll, I'll exercise it then and there or whatever. But I think the best of my writing is still inside of me. You know what I mean? I just need a, I need, I need a project. I'm not one of these cats who live in a studio. Right. That's another thing. We don't, you know what I mean? This is my studio. And this is not a recording studio. You know, this is a music studio. My turntables, my, you know what I mean? My, my, my laptops and my controllers and all this is, is to listening and playing music. Um, as far as recording music and being in that recording atmosphere, there's nothing like a studio. So when I get in one, I'm totally entrenched into, you know, the recording and this and that. And I can write in studios now, which is something I I, I didn't do. I I wrote, brought it to the studio because theoretically you don't go in a studio and write. Right. Studio costs money. Yeah. yeah, Uh, You got to have that shit written and ready to do when you get there. But basically, if you aren't that kind of on that little like scrunch budget, like, Everything got to be like that. I mean, you give me an hour or two, and and I'll write write up this whole song. I mean, sometimes not even that long. But by the time you set up everything and get all everything ready and all that, I'll I'll have half the song done. So in two thousand one, Jay Z recorded Izzo, and he did Izzo, and he has a famous. I'm overcharging niggas for what they did to the Cold Crush, (laughs) and he has that line in it, and it's a great line. And it, you know, it forces what hit, what I think what, what rap is supposed to do is supposed to, they, there's a reference made, you're supposed to look it up. What, what is he talking about, right? I think Jay-Z is the reference king. I mean, he, I mean, Jay is one of them cats who's like, you know, I mean, I ain't about it. I'm going to let you know I know about it. I mean, if I ain't even totally entrenched into it or whatever, or, you know what I mean? Boom, check this out. I mean, he's great at that. You know what I mean? He's very clever, very clever. You know what I mean? And um, when 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 the record came out and the people's heard it, everybody ran to me. And of course, yo, Cash, yo, Cash, Jay Z said your name in the record. Yo, he over. Okay, 
Ev. Nice that's, reference. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? and, that, and that's and that, and, that, and that's kind of my that's that's my question is that so you have that reference and that's all well and good, right? And then you then you have Macklemore doing downtown, where and I, I'm going to connect this in a weird way. Uh-huh. Um, and it and it, and he and he does it in a way where he's he's not just paying homage to he's paying homage to you lyrically, and he's also paying homage to you in a physical sense because you guys are physically brought out and rhyming. Why why do you think there's or is there a disconnect between the old school generation, quote unquote old school generation, and this newer school generation that not does not have more of your school on their records? Is it a business thing or is it organic in is it organic in hip hop or 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 what? All right, let, really, let me let me go back. I, I, I'll answer that question, but let me go back to the Jay Z thing. When I when I when I first heard it, I was like, "Oh shit, cool," right? But other people were like, "Yo, but you heard it like like I was supposed to expect something from it. Like, what do you expect from it? What you think he pulled to write us a check? Right? You know what I mean? The, the, the point he made that he's overcharging the industry for what they did to groups like us back then by not, you know what I mean, paying us what they owed us. And I don't even think he meant the whole cold crush. I think he was referring to the Big Bang Hank thing with me. You know what I mean? Unless he knows something, I don't know. Right. All right. But, um, you know, everybody was like, yeah, like like we was going to be on his next record or something like right, that. Right. I said he made a reference. You know what I mean? It is what it is. He's like he's robbing from the rich in the name of the poor. Right. Right. Not, right. not to give to the poor in the name of the poor. Oh, you poor, the poor people that you rob. I'm robbing you for them. Now, I ain't giving it to them, but I'm robbing you the way you robbed them. Right. That that's basically what he said, and 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 you know, and everybody was like, "Yo, yeah, just like, come on, knock it off, man." He, he made a cool reference. You know what I'm saying? We we ain't gonna be on his next album and his video and none of that. All right, knock it off. And, and just, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to be gossipy, but is that? Do you think that? Do you think that decision is conscious? More, <laughs> conscious, or is it an industry thing? Like where it's like. I think it's kind of industry-ish. Like, like, don't mess with them old school cats. Like, don't bring them up. Like, don't bring, you know what I mean? Let's not, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It seems that way. It seems that way. You know, it's, and I don't think it's the artists themselves. I think it's just like a, a, a broad kind of overview. Like, you know what I mean? Let them, you know, don't. Because I don't nobody, I don't see nobody reaching out like that. Not even them, us. Don't even forget us. Ain't nobody calling Rakim to be on records. Right. Ain't nobody calling KRS One to be on records. You know what I mean? I ain't never seen Houdini guests on nobody fucking record or nothing like that. So not only are they not reaching back to us, they ain't reaching up up that far. You know what I mean? So I think it's just a, a think that each generation wants to be responsible for their generation. I think they're trying to achieve in their generation what we tried to in ours. And we wasn't trying to pull nobody in either. Not that there was people to pull in. It wasn't nobody before (laughs) us. But you know what I mean? We didn't have that kind. We had that kind of connected, closed off attitude as well. So for us to look at them and say, well, why y'all ain't, you know what I mean? That, that wouldn't be fair. I think that, all right, it's our time, and we we trying to make our mark here. Thank you guys for what you did when you did it, but, you know, we trying to make our mark here, and I and I can't get mad at them. I'm not sitting around waiting for no, no, none of them to call me. 
I don't know about nobody else from the old school, but hey, I, that's not me. Anybody reach out, I'll reach back. Right. You know what I mean? Macklemore reached out. You know what I mean? We reached back. They was like, yo, you know, this and that. We want to do this and that. We don't know if it's going to work or, or if it's going to even fly, but we'll, you know, y'all going to be good for your troubles. You know what I mean? And even if it didn't fly, we was good. We was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? A week later, he was, he called us, yo, it's flying. All right, boom, we got more for you, and then we want to shoot a video, and then boom, we shot the video. Three days later, we on the VMAs, we on Jimmy Fallon's show, we doing Christmas Eve with, you know what I mean, Ryan Seacrest, we on the EMAs, we win. Look behind you. That's an MTV award, all right? We won the European Video Music Award. I've only seen those on TV. I only they're seen them on bigger, TV too. Much so the shit came in the mail, yo. <laughs> do you, I mean, do you, but thinking of that, do you think? Because, you, like you said, you are the first generation, right? Do you think every there's always going to be a disconnect between every new hip hop generation? I or? think there is. I think there'll always be a disconnect because they'll always feel they'll always feel that need to to hold on to their time, their era, or to progress their time, their era. Us, we got our inspiration from what came before us. Okay? The music that came from hip-hop came from music that we grew up listening to. Right. You know what I mean? We didn't say, fuck James Brown, this is hip-hop. We used James Brown to make hip-hop. You know what I mean? We didn't say fuck Isaac Hayes and fuck so-and-so-and-so. We used everything that we could get from them. The part of it that was cool to us, we preserved, and we turned that shit into hip-hop. So no, ain't nobody taking no lessons from us. Ain't nobody reaching back and using our... Yeah, I mean, if one of us had a hot record or something, yeah, some producer, they'll, they'll, they'll sample that shit and use it, but as far as the artists themselves reaching back to the artists, nobody's reaching back like that. This, you can count the artists on, on maybe two hands, artists who have, you know, reached back and, and really, I mean, sincerely said, yo, come on, let's do this or something. But all that honorable mention shit and that sideways shit, I mean, that shit is cool, but that shit don't... Pay the bills. Look at that. And look at, you know, yeah. hey, you guys were great. Thank you. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I want to end with a few lighter, quote-unquote, lighter notes. Uh, so to say, um, you've obviously written a lot and you've, you know, spit a lot. Um, is there a lyric that you could think of, maybe a line that kind of continuously has you go oh shit I wrote that like you're still in awe about a few things there's a few things and I I really don't listen to myself and I don't watch myself on things when I see you know like all the stuff that's on you I don't watch that I don't cause I don't never really think that I I did that good you know what I mean I never really think and I did I killed that I, I, I always think that you could have did this you mm. could have did that you could have you know what I mean but yeah there are a few things that when I listen to them I'll be like damn damn that nigga <laughs> <laughs> Like, if I was somebody else, imagine if I was somebody else listening to that and understood, I'd be like, this nigga's a god, yeah. And yeah, there's a few things that I've written like that. I, I, I consider myself a, a, a great lyricist and a great writer, but there's some things that just far just go beyond 
you know, most of the shit that you do. Nothing, everything ain't gonna be up here, up here. Right. You know what I mean? But I got a few things that's like up there. That's like, uh, ain't nobody fucking with that. I mean, you remember like when you, when you, when you hear those lines or you read do you the rap from the art of rap, the, the, you know, stage nigga don't know how to age nigga the first cat to put the pen to the page nigga the key to the cage nigga the brown and beige nigga the off the chain meat rack meter and gauge nigga the top nigga walk to your hood with a bop nigga no drop nigga but I ain't gotta run from the cop nigga hip hop nigga I used to run with your pop nigga yo I thought I told you that I won't stop nigga the mic nigga MC is like riding a bike nigga I'm the beige timberland and the white air night nigga I'm the rhyme nigga the let's go back into time, nigga. The prime, nigga. That always keep him a dime, nigga. I'm the six, nigga. Rather flip flows than bricks, nigga. I should have been long gone, but I'm still in the mix, nigga. I'm the live, nigga. Always last to arrive, nigga. I'm the Cross Bronx West Side FDR Drive, nigga. I'm that hood, nigga. I smoke that good wood, nigga. You can never fuck with, but wish that you could, nigga. I'm that damn, nigga. That fuck you and your man, nigga. That get your punk ass in the back of the van, nigga. I'm that sweet, nigga. That never offbeat, nigga. The circle and the slash on cold mics. Heat, nigga. I'm that cool, nigga. Ran my whole high school, nigga. And you don't want to ever challenge me to a duel, nigga. I'm that proud, nigga. That stand out in the crowd, nigga. That go where most of y'all niggas ain't allowed, nigga. I'm that smart, nigga. That first to start, nigga. I think with my head, but I feel with my heart, nigga. That's sick. That is. That is. Yeah. That's sick. All right. I think that's the uh, that's the that's yeah that's I don't know even what to say from that. that that's, uh, <laughs> I usually uh, I usually can talk after that. Um, one more question. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Tupac yesterday was announced that he was uh, the will be the first solo act inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I guess what, what's your uh, just immediate reaction to that? Um, your thoughts? Um, I think that's a cool thing that they would consider Pac. But I'm a chronological person, and I think there's other people that can, that deserve that consideration um, before. I think Tupac, if you're going to eventually, definitely he belongs, but. LL Cool J right. been doing this shit since he was 13, like 12 years old. You know what I'm saying? 14 albums, movies, TV. I mean, this nigga's transcended every medium. Right. You know what I mean? When does he go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? After Tupac? Right, right. <laughs> he should have went in before Public Enemy. Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, and so on and so on and so on. See, when outside entities fuck with your culture, they turn it around, twist it, and put it out the way they want to put it out. Life is chronological. History is chronological. Why would you change the order of, of that? Right. The great uh, Grandmaster Kaz, uh, I'm honored that you invited me into your home. Uh, thank you so much for joining me in the library with Timonica on RapStation.com. Uh, it's been, been an honor. No doubt. Shout out to everybody out there listening. You know what I mean? 
I mean, I love this hip-hop thing. You know what I mean? I live, I breathe it, it runs through my veins. You know what I'm saying? And I try to do the best I can for it and with it. And I just hope everybody else try to do the same. All right? Peace. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.